0: Uh, movie discussion podcast. This week we're talking about Coraline. I'm joined as always by my co-host Celia. How are you today?
1: Hey Alex, I'm doing pretty good. I'm really excited to, you know, kick off our...
0: Which, which <laughs> one is this? I've lost track. I know, we've, done we've so just, just done these. so many of
1: these together. <laughs> yeah. It's just really exciting that we finally get to talk about maybe the best animated kids film that's ever been created.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair assumption. I would definitely put it in um, you know, my top five or top ten. And I just saw it for the first time this morning. So, Blake,
2: yeah. well, like I'm going to let you decide how long you want to let this go. <laughs> I was
3: I'm about enjoying to am you oh, yeah, are... Aiden, how dare you. How dare I. <laughs> Welcome back to
2: Cinema Adventure, where a movie podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a film. <laughs> I'm your animated claymation host, Aiden Walker.
3: Uh, and I'm your... Other host Blake, who's not animated, I'm real. That's terrifying. Related this you'll is some ever Pinocchio. Be. Was that scary? Pinocchio Did I sound situation. Pertinent? I hope so. You know,
1: <laughs> that was just a fun bit because Alex and I are great friends, and we're the we're the two friends. I stole them from a different <laughs> podcast that's about movies, and um, we're we're just all four in the same room, and it's just so much happening. I'm a little overwhelmed. It's this overwhelming. This is this is the most
2: people we've had on this podcast before. That's Four. wild. How long do you think we're gonna go?
3: People as long say, as
2: it takes, baby. One hundred yeah. minutes. <laughs> the
3: uh, the full length of Coraline. That's how long we're gonna be in here. I we're think. gonna
1: minute by minute breakdown,
3: minute by minute analysis.
1: <laughs> we're gonna,
3: <laughs> we're gonna go. play the movie in the background. Minute
1: one. <laughs> fact, the
3: screen is black.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the words Coraline flash across the screen. That's all we need.
1: We're actually gonna recreate the whole film. We have all the stop motion puppets. In <laughs> we front should of do us. a
2: teleplay, a radio play. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs>
1: I want to play That's the okay. other father. <laughs> okay, and you'll just get progressively, like, moanier.
2: Yeah, and I'll look grosser, and my eyes will get more and more glazed over
1: as we go. Great. Wow, I have so, so inspirational. Okay, here's the thing. Let's tell, I'm going to skip straight to the question you're going to ask me, which is why did we pick this movie? And the answer <laughs> you is... You have been on this podcast <laughs> a few times. And the answer is, I heard you guys talking about Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Blake said he had never seen Coraline. Which is is a
2: a movie crime.
1: Movie crime. Is it? It's on Netflix. You have no excuse. Neither does Alex, who also hadn't seen it until now. And I have a lot of, like, memories about this movie and book,
3: as does Aiden. Yeah, yeah, So
1: I was like, we got to do this. I know that the year is coming to a close. We got to get it in. Yeah. Do you want to share, like, your book experience? And then I can share mine. yeah.
2: You know, I actually was assigned this book as reading in the fourth grade by, like, the greatest teacher I ever had. And it's a
1: horrible idea. It's what a terrible is, thing to do with children. Assign a good book to them? No, assign this terrifying, <laughs> evil monster book. it was great. True, it's <laughs> it was scary. Good, loved it. We're going to have such competing ideas. Okay, go ahead. Please. So... <laughs> I think,
2: first of all, if you really want to get into it, I think kids should be exposed to no, scary books. No, oh, I, sure. no,
4: no, 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 I agree completely. I, no. I
1: think it's a great I, it's a great book. But go ahead. <laughs> I'm glad you had such a fantastic experience with it.
2: I loved it. I, I read the book uh, in the fourth grade with my whole class, and we discussed it and really got into it. And it was just so much fun to read something as a kid that was this you know, fantastical. It's really a lot like Alice in Wonderland, but it's really dark and it it doesn't just grapple with like, oh, what's it like to be a kid and go to a strange place? It's like, no, what's it like to be a kid and to be lonely and to be ignored by your parents and then kind of explore who you are on your own for the first time. So I think it handles a lot of really interesting themes and I think that's probably why it I, I connected with it so much. I'm all, I'm an only child. I don't feel like I was neglected by my parents <laughs> and my mom and dad, I know you listen. You're fantastic. Um, but, you know, as an only child, you have to make make your own entertainment and Coraline does this in fantastic ways so
1: for sure for sure I had a very different experience so I read it for the first time when I was in the third grade not to one up either too young, <laughs> too young and it terrified me like it scared me so bad the only reason that I even picked it up was because there was a pull quote on the back from Lemony Snicket and I was deep <laughs> into the series of unfortunate events at the time anyways so I read it in the third grade was so scared of it I wanted to read it again in the fifth grade, thinking that I was big and mature. Still just the most scared. Just the (laughs) most scared you could possibly be. In fact, when I finished reading the book the second time, I went outside to my garbage can, and I threw it in the garbage. You (laughs) threw the book in the garbage? Because I was so scared, I didn't want it in the house. (laughs) Like, I thought that if it was in the house, it would come and get me. So then I woke up the next morning... to get ready for school and I was an idiot and threw it in the trash like the day before trash day so my dad had gone out to whatever so I wake up in the morning and I walk into the kitchen and the book is on the kitchen table and I freaked out I freaked out so hard I thought it was haunted and it had come back into the house on its own accord and I run to my parents and I just say like why is like, why is a book on the kitchen table? And my dad says, "Celia, I took the trash out this morning and I saw it in the trash can. And in this family, we don't throw away books, Wow, which is fair, mm. but also <laughs> horrible. And I told it's funny because all these years later, I told him this story like a couple weeks ago, and he was like, "I never knew that you didn't know that that's what happened. Like I never knew that. If I, I I honestly would have told you if I had known that that's why you threw it out. I wouldn't have... Because just leaving it there, yeah, a ghost put it there, obviously. But
3: <laughs> it's it's almost a, like on Friends when Joey puts... Like, he's reading The Shining, but it's so scary that he puts it in the freezer. Yeah. It reminds me so much of that.
1: It's, it's, It wasn't <laughs> rational, but it No, it, it kind of makes sense, though. I was just like, where's the farthest away that I can put this? <laughs> in like the trash fun. on the corner of my, like, property. As yeah. far away from my bedroom as it could be. <laughs> but, um... I mean, it's a really good book. Like, it's really well-written, and it's a really great story. Like you said, I think it does tackle a lot of really great themes. I just... Too scary for it's you. It's like... I mean, being a kid and having your parents disappear, like, that's ho- horrifying. True. Like, that's literally a worst nightmare, c- like, scenario. So I just couldn't handle it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: definitely.
2: So, Alex, what's your deep personal connection to this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I mean... It feels like a lifetime that I've really been been working through this story. Um, What time is it right now? It's 4.18 p.m., so, I mean, it's like, it feels like it's only been, like, six or seven hours since I had just seen the movie. You know, it's that fresh in my mind, even though I've been grappling with it for so long. Uh, Yeah, no, I, I never read the book. I remember when the movie came out, looking at trailers for it and thinking, oh, that's cool that looks like a cool girls movie, I and mean, I never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> it movie for girls. Welcome, I mean, welcome to the mind yeah. of an elementary school boy. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never saw it. I always thought, I mean, I was. it looked like, oh, this is a good movie, clearly, but I just never got around to seeing it. And then I watched it today, and I, I thought it was lovely. Um, Just really beautiful. I mean, the, I think the two things that struck me are just it's a very... Just extremely well crafted film. I mean, clearly a huge amount of work was put into it to make it look just gorgeous. And then also, it, 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 it like I describe it to myself as like Pan's Labyrinth with less murder. Mm. It's like, fair, it's uh, fair. It's it's hard to make a a children's story that is more than just. It's like you know, Toy Story Three is like scary if you're a kid. It's it's Disney scary. It's like this movie has horror that is like. One, I would say one additional step beyond that. It's mm-hmm. a little more ancient. Mm-hmm. It's a little more eldritch. It, it is a little bit of that D and D thing where it's it's this colorful, vivid story, and then you've also got like these horrifying nightmare monsters, you know, interacting with the story. And I, I I love that. That's like extremely my kind of thing. It was fun watching it as an adult because I I think I would have been very scared as a child if I'd seen it.
2: Yeah, you mentioned just it's colorful and well-crafted. And I had the really good fortune, a couple of months ago, I was down in Portland, and I got to go to an exhibit at the Portland Art Museum, the studio that made this movie and Kubo and the Two Strings and the Box Trolls. Uh, They had an exhibition where you could go and see all of the everything. So they had all the the characters and the sets. How large were they? Uh, So... For reference, I got to see the, the Coraline figure, and she, I believe, is about 10 inches tall. Okay. Um. So they're pretty small, but the whole, the pink house that's mm-hmm. in the movie, they had that whole set there as well as the oh, garden. Wow. Oh and the garden God. is gigantic. Yeah. Uh, but just being able to walk around and see that and just see how actually colorful it is in real life. It's just as colorful as, as it is on screen. And every single tiny light bulb in every house turns on. It's all very real. It's just
0: i i didn't realize those sets were really constructed i mean it was clearly a a physical physically made movie but I thought that you know, you would have like
1: separate rooms.
2: Yeah, or, or yeah. like,
0: you know, ten feet of the set was real and then it was green screen and the rest mm-hmm, or something. But
2: for sure. I assume that they probably had individual sets for the inside of the house. Either that or it I'm, opened up, but they just had the whole thing kind of closed up on
0: display. Yeah, I'm that's nice. really cool.
2: The the coolest but also most terrifying part of the exhibit is that, you know, to make the different expressions on these characters' faces, they have to literally swap out the face. Yeah. Oh. So they had an entire wall of oh, just my God. faces oh, no. of like every wow. character mm. in every in in all of their movies. <laughs> Did they
1: have like the YB? with the, like, smile tied up.
0: I believe so. Um, That's one of the
1: harder moments in the film.
0: You walk in and see that, and it's like, time to go.
1: (laughs) Actually, I'm good. It's
0: been a fun tour. I'm I'm, I'm done.
2: (laughs) So I took a ton of pictures there, and I'll tweet them, and I'll put them in the description so people listening can go see what that looks like. Awesome. That's good.
1: Yeah, that sounds so cool. Even though I've seen this movie three or four times, it was absurdly beautiful watching it this time. I don't know what about it, but even just the way... Not even just how the colors were and how it looked, but, like, the way the characters moved and stuff like that. It was so unique, not just to this production company, but to the movie by itself, I thought was just, like, really interesting. Yeah,
2: even to, like, mm-hmm. stop motion, just, like, mm-hmm. in that that uh, genre of Weird, movies, it's yeah. so different than... Weirdly guess, fluid, fluid,
1: almost. It's so fluid,
0: yeah. 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 Celia, you and I played a game months ago, a video game... Um, What what became, What Remains of Edith Finch? Yeah, What Remains of Edith Finch. I always get the verb wrong. (laughs) Um, And it's a very different story, but one thing it has in common is it also takes place in this big haunted mansion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's creepy, and it's got a lot of different rooms, and there's like some kind of low-level magical stuff going on in it. And there's something about that setting, uh, you know, like this, this old big victorian mansion out in the woods that's kind Mm -hmm. of isolated where like an eccentric family lives that setting is like it's just so ripe for this kind of like creepy but also joyful kind of kind of movie and it, it almost puts it like it puts me in a kind of mood when i watch it where it's like even if there's a happy ending there's just something about the story that sticks with you that's just kind of dour and not in a bad way, but it's just like it's like this movie, even though it obviously has a happy ending and, and everything turns out well, I thought it almost a little bit too well. I don't I don't like the the uh, the turn the parents make to suddenly being good and I'll get into that. But even with that, you still walk away from the movie feeling a little creeped out. It's yeah. it's a it's a happy ending but it's a dark happy ending.
2: And the best thing is that is that they don't try and make some kind of excuse at the end to make her experience any less valid. They're never like oh it was just a silly daydream of this child. And they <laughs> right. try to make her wake right. up in her bed like man what happened? It's just like Not a wizard literally scenario. it happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And this the same thing was I mean, real for her. It's like
0: Pan's Labyrinth is like that too where that one's a little more you maybe interpret it as a dream but you know you see it as like it really happened for her and that's what makes it so traumatizing.
1: It's it's weird because what remains of Edith Finch is set in the Puget Sound area and Coraline is set in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so it's also Puget Soundy. I yeah, I think tonally it's really interesting when you set something so or old world in a place that isn't thought of necessarily that way. Yeah. If this were someplace like Boston that had a ton of history or something, maybe it wouldn't feel so tonally interesting. But having it be in the whether you know, they only say it once and it's a very brief moment when you realize that it's set in Oregon. But um having it be in the Pacific Northwest esque vibe, yeah, I think it adds a whole level of kind of natural Oddness, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely. That doesn't hit on a lot of different kinds of films.
3: Yeah. yeah, and the remoteness too, like of where her house is, really emphasizes her loneliness. I think because I mean, it's one thing to move and get used to this new place of living, but to move and then live in this house where there's not really a lot of surrounding stuff. It just like ups that, and then you. I think it's really smart to set it in the Pacific Northwest because it is known for being so rainy and stormy. So to just have all these mm-hmm. extra elements really boosting this feeling of melancholy, I think it's super smart and like a realistic way to do it without, you know, being too, I guess, exaggerated. I guess yeah. it doesn't yeah. feel
1: tropey at
2: all. Yeah, not tropey yeah. at all. That kind of dour feeling that you're hitting on, Alex. I think that has a lot to do with the setting, the yeah, kind of Portland, yeah, kind of wet, rainy. I, mm. I don't
0: think you could make this movie in LA. No, right? no. You, you, you mean you could tell the exact same story, but I think you'd walk away feeling completely different from it mm-hmm. if yeah, it was totally. sun, dry and sun drenched. You know. No, yeah.
2: I, I get that same kind of sadness, kind of empty feeling uh, from watching Twin Peaks, which has yeah, that totally. same, yeah, yeah. same feeling. Yeah. There's this great article. I can't remember where it was. I want to say the Seattle Weekly. I can't remember the writer either, and I wish I did. But he (laughs) writes about, you know, has Seattle lost its noir? And he writes Mm. about how just the kind of technology influx, Amazon, how Mm. we've kind of lost our grungy 90s uh, Twin Peaks-esque. But I think this movie captures that kind of feeling of, you know, being in an old house and being kind of close to the woods, but, you know, still being quite close to a city or some kind of development really
0: well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Coraline doesn't have, in the beginning of the movie, I mean, she does not have a very happy life, but she's not, she doesn't strike you as a particularly depressed or angsty uh, girl. She's, uh, she's very kind of positive and assertive, uh, and she's. I think that's kind of maybe a part of childhood is you can be surrounded by, you know, you can have these two parents who are neglecting you and aren't paying much attention to you, and you've got nothing to do in this house, and the only other kid you know is like this weirdo on a bike <laughs> who, like, runs into you. it's like that's not very fun when you're a kid but there's this kind of idyllic uh, sense to childhood where she's surrounded like all these dour kind of empty things and this, the house and the setting is dour she's surrounded by all of it and she's just kind of walking through it uh, and I just I like that a lot I, I like the, that you know something about being a child you, you can handle uh, depressing things uh, sometimes better than I think adults can
1: yeah mm-hmm. i think I think that it's interesting because through all of her um, I mean she sure was uh difficult, you know, yeah. like she didn't make her parents' job easy by any sort of <laughs> means, but um you could tell that even through all of that, she was trying to find some kind of positive, you know. Like when she sees the door and she just wants to open the door, and then when her mom's, when her dad says, go count all the doors and windows. Like if someone told me to do that, I'd just immediately tell them to fuck off, right? But <laughs> right. Um, maybe not as a 10 year old, but
0: you wouldn't do it because you're right. like, that's dumb. I'm not going to do that. Because it's
1: obviously a leave me alone. I don't care what you're doing type of comment, yeah. but she legitimately goes and counts all the doors and windows. And um she's really I th- yeah, she's really trying her hardest to make the most of it, even while not necessarily communicating that effectively.
0: Uh really quick, I, I I took notes when I saw the movie and so it's just like a few little details that I liked. Uh the lighting in the movie was incredible and I think that's mm-hmm. a testament to mm-hmm. um making a, a building a physical set, you know, because then you can actually control the lighting, you know, while you're filming, you don't have to go back and do these things in post-processing, but especially uh, there's a transition from when she first has dinner with her family to when she's in the bedroom. And the lighting in the mm-hmm. kitchen is this like sickly, pale, hospital, greenish blue. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's I, it's like nauseating. And the food is disgusting in it. It lends that scene so much. Again, we're getting back to that dour feeling. You know, being in this cold kitchen with your parents with food you don't really like. There's not a TV in the house. There's not like, you not. it's like eat your dinner and go to bed. And it's just that kind of like clinical... Not Nothing about it is enjoyable or fun. And mm-hmm. then it immediately, when she gets in bed, it's like this soft uh, kind of red lighting on her face and just the whole kind of color tone changes and she turns the light out and it turns to this shade of violet. And that's the first night she goes to sleep and she f- goes to sleep and then she goes into the other world. And that lighting change, I think, is a perfect transition. It's like you go from that really realistic, clinical, harsh... Uh, fluorescent light into that really nice uh, mood light that puts you at ease just as, you know, just before she goes into a world that kind of complements that change. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the
2: lighting is so genius because they, they give you the light that puts you at ease that makes you feel like, oh, yeah, this place is so nice. But she's going into the terrifying right. bad place. She's going into hell. With the yeah. scary, she's going into hell with the scary parents who want to sew buttons into her eyeballs. And <laughs> right. it's like, oh, this is the inviting place. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I love the intro, too. Or are they Is that where they're, like, building Ooh. the doll? Is that what yes. it was? That's it was just, so, like, so impressive and, like, right off the bat really makes you want to see more and i think i had read that the um for that they had like the needle they used or whatever was like almost as thin as hair like it was tiny Mm -hmm. but they somehow managed to make that but i love that there's also that scene where someone's like swinging on a trapeze that's really impressive they just i love all the little details that are kind of almost show y but it just shows the lengths the filmmakers are willing to go to to create this cool effect
1: the intro almost reminded me. This is going to sound weird, <laughs> and we talked about this in the last episode. I was on. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the intro almost reminded me of Get Out with the like mood music in the background, and in, and you know Get Out opens and it just shows you all of Chris's pictures, and it has like the song going and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then especially when in Get Out when it switches to like the title card and it has like that breathy song in the back. This really reminded me of that because it Mm -hmm. just has the creation of this doll, and you don't really know what's going on or what the importance of it is, and it's got this weird, breathy, kind of juju esque music, and you're just like, I don't know what happens, and then, but it keeps you engaged all the way through it, and then, like, tying it into the actual story so it's not just, like, creepy things are happening. (laughs) We'll come back to that later. Like, (laughs) immediately tying it in with the real story. I just, it was really impressive.
3: And I guess I have a weirder comparison, too. But I was even reminded, kind of during, I would say maybe kind of towards the end of the movie, when she's in the other world. And it's kind of getting more and more colorful, but also that there's this evil and kind of angularity that is boosted. I kept being reminded of, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but uh, Nicki Minaj's I Am Your Leader music video, like the design <laughs> is so comparable, just like in terms of lighting and like the way everything is shifting and moving and is very kind of unsettling Reminds me a lot of that. So maybe watch that. I don't know if anyone's going to feel the same way. <laughs> I was I'll link mine. It. So you have Get Out. I have Nicki Minaj. That's, you know, what we need. I'll all those link comparisons. It. I'll throw it in the description. Great. <laughs> Educate the people. On it's Nicki also Nicki Minaj. a great song. One of her finest Once in I
1: And they had some other pretty killer transitions. Like when, mm-hmm. towards the end of the movie, I realize we're jumping all around. I'm sure we'll get into the plot eventually. <laughs> oh, someday. Or when the other mother is tapping her fingers on the sink. And then the camera is just on Coraline, and then Coraline, like, looks up, and it's just the water dripping, and the and the mother's gone. And there's a lot of transitions that involve movement, you know, like her, like, there was one where she was falling, and then it transitions to her falling on her bed. Yeah, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff like that that I thought was just, like, it doesn't have to be there, but then you put it there, and it becomes so much more than it. With just a, you could have just cut it and it would have been fine, but you didn't. Mm. Those kind of bait so and great.
2: switch transitions are such a touchstone of horror film, mm-hmm. just yeah. in general. So bring it back to what you said, Alex. Just it's got elements of horror in it, right? So if you can inject that into this childlike story and have these elements where instead of like, oh, there's a scary man in the mirror, but then you turn around <laughs> and he's not there, you have the fingers tapping and then the water dripping, you still get that sense that oh, I am kind of watching a horror movie right now, but
1: you can't fully trust what's what you're seeing or what you're hearing because no. it could turn into anything else, like, in a moment, for sure.
3: Yeah, no, I think it's totally scary. I'm glad I didn't watch it as a kid because I think I even just saw the trailers for the movie and I got really freaked out. Mm-hmm. I think when I saw, like, the other mother with the, like, the soda on eyes, I was like, that's not happening. No. Um, I mean, I was the kind of kid who, like, got really scared of the Scooby-Doo cartoon and, like, thought it was real, Definitely. even though it was cartoons. So glad I waited it out until now. because it is
2: saying you are a big...
3: Baby, <laughs> I was a big baby, 100. percent. I remember I like saw there was some cover of like the Invisible Man where it's like a person walking or something, and then like you see something unraveling, so you know they're invisible underneath that. And even that freaked me out. And I remember mm-hmm. one night, like I thought the Invisible Man was like wandering around my house or something, and so I like I wouldn't go to bed because I was just like, when's he gonna show up? So it's great.
2: Wow. <laughs> Have any of you ever walked out of a something scary in a in a movie theater because it was too much? Uh, no.
3: Oh, yeah, when I was a kid, my grandpa took me to see the first Spy Kids. And there's the part where where they're, like, the clones of Carmen and Junie. And they're, like, fighting. And I, like, I guess my little kid brain thought that was really scary. So I started crying, and then we had to leave.
1: I have reached a point in scary movies where I just stop looking, where I just cover my eyes. Oh, I totally do that. Like, in
3: the theater? And and I'm not
1: talking, like, split your fingers, like, figure out a way to still see through things. I do that in nearly every scary movie I've ever seen but, um, but I have watched movies where I'm just like okay I'm just not gonna watch
3: yeah. No,
1: I'll still sit here and listen, but I'm not gonna watch.
3: Yeah, no, I cover my eyes all the time. I just saw like that dumb new like Gabriel Union thriller, and there's like a part where like this guy's like sneaking up behind her with like a knife, and I like covered my eyes even though it's so dumb. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't want to jump and scream. So you just <laughs> you gotta funny. do what you gotta do.
2: I had to I had to leave the theater during Batman Begins with the Scarecrow. <laughs> Scarecrow. Oh, that's <laughs> so scary!
3: That's so scary. You're allowed
1: to be scared yeah. of Scarecrow.
0: I had to go, that's fair. I, really, I had to leave.
3: Yeah. I had to leave. I remember, like, my dad and uncle. I cannot uncle, be in the
1: same building as this.
3: Yeah, like, my dad and uncle, I think, were watching one time in the living room. And I, like, walked in right when that was happening. And I was like, oh, God. And then I left. <laughs> I was, so, like, eight. Not now. So but. you didn't find out how Batman Begins ends?
2: Uh, no, I just got the beginning. Oh, uh, that movie's
0: so good. So you did find out how Batman begins.
2: I did. I did figure <laughs> out. Good. So that is the point. I'm I did, really sorry know, for drawing that joke. It's yeah. funny. I I went into the theater, and I was like, how does this guy become Batman? Do his parents die, like in every Batman? <laughs> uh, I guess they do. All right, I can go. <laughs> okay, wow. that's it. That's all we need to know.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'll I really briefly say I I'm normally not that scared by horror movies, but... I saw A Quiet Place about a month ago, and that was the most terrified I've ever been in a theater. <laughs> wow. Really? That was, that, was the, that was, I wouldn't say it's the best movie I've watched, but it was by far the best experience I've ever had in a movie mm-hmm. theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a great crowd we went with because everyone was silent the whole time, mm-hmm. which was really crucial to enjoying it. And uh, I, I was, like, the whole movie I was, like, you know, just, like, <laughs> really cringing. I was, like, grabbing my leg to try to, like, control myself. Like, I wasn't... Uh, a, didn't have didn't hide my eyes, but like I was very physically uh, tense. I guess is mm. the best way to put it. Well,
2: that's a good warning because I'm going to go see it tonight. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. It's you, yeah.
1: it's good that you're going to
2: see
0: it while
1: it's still in theaters.
2: Yeah, that,
0: definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's a, definitely a movie to see in theaters, and the PG-13 rating is very deceptive. Mm. Uh, it's scarier than. I, <laughs> do, you, do you disagree? I don't no. know if
1: I agree. I mean, they don't they cut pretty fast off of like any kind of there's well, maybe there's, there's only there's one in, there's maybe one or two or three max mm-hmm. scenes where there's any real blood or violence, mm-hmm. but it, yeah. I wouldn't call it gory by any.
0: No, sense I of I, I wouldn't either, like and and goriness doesn't scare me. It's right.
3: Yeah,
1: I just know that rated R movies are like rated R horror movies are usually that way
0: due, mm-hmm. to, due right. to gore. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, Coraline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we go through the plot?
2: I was about to say, let's take smart. a break. Okay. Have oh. Blake do some, fun facts, do some fun facts
3: before the plot, and then
2: we'll come back and do
1: the plot. <laughs> okay, okay. The plot isn't that complicated. No, <laughs> no.
3: So, no. so right. Blake, please take us away. Great. Okay. So one fun fact. um, The character YB is not in the original novel. He was created so Coraline would not be talking to herself throughout the whole movie. And so that she would have a friend and make it less sad that she's all alone.
2: I would have liked it if she talked to herself the whole
3: movie. That would have been good. I mean, she does do a lot of talking to herself. So, I mean, just add some more.
1: I do have to say that adding, even though they added YB, which I didn't realize... Until now. They sure did a good job of incorporating him into the whole story yeah. and not
3: they just really making did. him yeah, sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that kid. The on-screen snow was made from super glue and baking soda. So pretty clever there. To construct one Caroline puppet, it took 10 people who had to work for 3 to 4 months. So, that's some patience there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's funny because that was a joke in the movie.
3: Really? I didn't yeah. know But you it was called a joke. Her Caroline Oh, whoops! Well, you know, whatever. Just one of the neighbors <laughs> getting my vowels mixed up, I guess. Are you
2: Mr. Bobinski? <laughs> I
3: could be. We don't know.
1: The amazing Mr.
3: He <laughs> looked me. really cute in that crop top. Can I we just know, acknowledge right? that right now? Bobinski looked hot in the crop top. Bobinski
1: <laughs> is daddy.
3: Yeah. Just oh wow. <laughs> wow. Wait, is he the one? <laughs> was he wearing the crop top in like the first scene that he shows up in? Yeah. Yes. The oh, wife that, he scared me. I don't think he was like. <laughs> but I like how they too moved much. his
1: mask from his stomach to his chest
3: <laughs> <laughs> between worlds. He freaked me out. Anyways, uh, because I like so, everyone looks kind of normal for a cartoon, and then he shows up and does not look like a human. I'm like, who is uh, this? You're
1: saying that the actress with boobs the size of like double watermelons I mean, looked normal?
3: Well, she, I mean, he has like blue skin, and like, I don't Fair know. Enough. It was a he little bit blue skin. It was crazy for me. He
1: I did know. have that.
2: <laughs> for, the, for the record, I'm with Celia on this one.
3: <laughs> like an, looking like a Brockhampton kind of guy. Exactly, Brockhampton. Um, this was the first stop-motion animated feature to be shot entirely in 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Coraline shoot lasted about 18 months, but that was followed by two years of pre-production. So these people, once again, are always impressing me with their patience. I don't understand how they can keep on a project that long. but Especially kudos. a
1: stop-motion project. Honestly. How, your eyes must just melt.
3: I after would think so. You, I feel like you would lose your mind after, like, three days. Like, I could not do that. So the, have you ever met a stop-motion artist?
2: No. no. Exactly. How they They're lost maniacs. Their mind? So are they?
3: <laughs> They're shut-ins. They'd have to be shut-ins, because all you're doing is just moving a doll, like, one millimeter every, every Especially second, Especially in a
1: movie like this, where you can see the Hair move and yeah. the every yeah. limb Ugh. movement, and the necks like the heads move a lot.
3: Yeah, it's a good thing these movies are all like so well received. Because can you imagine if you did that and then like everyone didn't like it and no one Ooh, saw it? That's, that's would, what the deal was
2: with was it Early Man? Is that what it's called? Though? That was
1: that was a Wallace and Gromit. Oh, movie yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It just came out this year. My brother saw it, he said it was fine. Yeah, <laughs>
3: that's good. I think the reviews are good. I just heard yeah. that
2: some reviews were not very positive, that's which sad. would be sad because they work so hard. They work so yeah, hard,
3: give them a good rating just because of that um, I have one more hey, fun forever. fact I feel like I don't have very many fun facts I'm really just sucking today um, so there are 248 Scotty dogs in the audience with Coraline and YB <laughs> and they made them all by hand obviously and not so. a
2: single one at the exhibit oh. in Portland what happened to all
1: those Scotty dogs?
2: I don't know wow.
3: maybe they were maybe they were like, the charity maybe they were like <laughs> premier
1: <laughs> presents Like during the premiere they just handed them out to. oh that would have been
3: good That'd be very that would have been such an honor but yeah, those are all my fun facts. Oh just boy. a small amount. Thank you for Thank your content. fun so much. And it's good because I feel fun. like they weren't too story related. So do not you know undermine okay. your storytelling that is coming up.
2: All the eyes just went on me for the storytelling. <laughs> story. <laughs> are You, you want to it off? It? I would be honored. Wow. I know this story quite well. Wow. Okay. Give it to us. There's a young girl <laughs> named... Coraline. Caroline. Just <laughs> Coraline. And she moves to Oregon with her parents. From me.
3: Michigan. Michigan, Michigan. Yeah, I
2: almost said Minnesota.
1: Wow. She says she says she's from Pontiac to YB. She's like, I'm from Pontiac, and he doesn't know where that is. And she's like, Michigan, duh, as if everybody knows where that is.
3: <laughs> oh, to be twelve again. <laughs> uh, I do not want to be twelve again. I was so fat. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: Wow. <laughs> okay, sorry. <The> truth <laughs> comes out. I didn't mean to interrupt. You. Oh, oh, it's
2: it's fine. <laughs> We're not getting through this anyway. Um so they move into a, a new house. It's what would you would you call it a house? It's like a It's like a house to? that's been
1: subdivided into apartments, yeah. yeah. It feels
3: sub-divided, British to exactly. me. I don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> it's the British people who live in it probably. I guess it's
3: a triplex yeah, yeah. yeah. technically. Yeah,
1: technically. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Triplex. Coraline and her parents live in one unit. There are a pair of very old women who were dancers, performers, Mm. and they're hilarious. What were their names?
0: I don't know. Spick or Spink? Spink and Forcible. Spink and Forcible.
2: (laughs) Miss Spink and Miss Forcible. And then (laughs) there's Mr. uh, Bobo is what they call him in the book. Bobinski. 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 The wonderful... Incredible, talented Mr. Bobinski, who <laughs> is this large blue man with a ridiculous mustache. And he teaches mice how to do tricks. Yes. Coraline's parents are very busy. She bothers them. They tell her to stop. She says, I'm bored. And her mom is like, leave me alone. Her dad says, why don't you go count all the things in the house? And while she's out and about, you she's like, skipped counting. a very important part. Did I? Yes. <gasps> go ahead.
1: She meets Wybie first. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh.
1: And he introduces himself as the grandson of the woman who owns the whole house. That's right. He is annoying as most young boys are. And,
2: and fat, I hear.
1: Yeah, apparently. Um,
2: <laughs> and bad he
1: finds a doll in his grandma's trunk that looks exactly like Coraline. So she, he gives her the doll and she, throughout the counting of the windows and doors and all this stuff she carries the doll around with her.
3: That's true. Which the fact that she just so willingly accepted it, I would have, like, screamed yeah. and thrown it. There <laughs> yeah. are a lot of things in this movie that I think I would have freaked out and not done. But she's just like, let's just go on ahead we and We can what talk happens. about
1: that later because I definitely <laughs> thought about that during the yeah,
3: movie. I, like, wrote but... out a bunch of things like, wow, she really took that in well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was probably the one thing that I was like, why she's brave. would you do that? Yeah, for sure.
3: yeah. classic horror heroine. Trope.
2: (laughs) On her romp around the house looking for doors and windows to count she finds a small door that's like three feet tall. It's really puny uh, and it's kind of lodged behind the wallpaper. So she's like, Mom, I want to see what it is. And her mom says, okay. And they find a key in a drawer in the kitchen to put in and they open this uh, door and behind it is just bricks. Uh, And Coraline, of course, is very disappointed by this. So uh, later that night she tries the door again and she finds that there's actually a little portal to another dimension seemingly uh, Mm -hmm. behind the door. So she crawls through and on the other side she finds people who look just like her mother and father except they have buttons for eyes.
1: What a uniquely weird thing. Like who thought about that? Neil Gaiman. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, How did he think of you know what is incredibly creepy but somehow you know a kid would get over it?
2: You know how? How? Because he's nasty. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I remember when I read it thinking, this is so non-typical of a, even even it's in so my scary. limited experience of like scary things, it was still very like, what an odd choice. Yeah,
2: no, it's it's a good choice too, because then their whole way of trying to indoctrinate her into their world is they're like, we're going to give you your buttons now. And it's like, oh, you're going to mm-hmm. sew buttons into my eyes? Yeah. And what, what's, not. what's
0: great about that too is, uh, because you never, they never actually, get close to doing it, so you never actually see them really attempt to, but you know, like, when they first said that obviously immediately I began thinking like, how would they do that, and it's like horrifying like, (laughs) imagining like, oh god like, how would you even start, you know
1: It's a great way of keeping it kid friendly right, because Yeah, you don't have to show it. Yeah, you don't have to show it, just the idea of it is terrible, like, you think about it two steps further and you're like, okay, never mind I don't want to think about that.
2: Right, right (laughs) Very suggestive Mm -hmm.
1: So does anybody else want to help me out with the plot here
2: they they meet the she meets the other mother and the other father she's enchanted by them they give her all this good food yep. she returns home and is disappointed of course uh, and her mom says why don't you go meet the neighbors so she meets the, the crazy neighbors and they all <laughs> tell her foreboding things the women give her Do you her, want help or are you just I do I'm just going to I know I'm going to sputter out here <laughs> I know I, her I know sometimes. that it's I'm going to run out and I'm gonna <laughs> so meet to going to need somebody to step in I'm doing my best Okay <laughs> I just I need somebody on backup.
3: <laughs> do one of those things where like an RB singer's like singing the chorus and then like another recorded version of them's doing like that. Ah, 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 ah. Just do like a Mary J. Blige sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you can tap out if you want to, but it sounds like you're still going strong. I'm gonna <laughs>
2: tap out when my brain stops working. What if it does? Like you're gonna seconds. skip over stuff. I know. That's that's <laughs> okay. why I've Fair got enough. you here. Fair so, enough. anyways, Coraline goes and she meets her her fantastic neighbor. She meets Mr. Bobo, who one of his mice tells him uh, to give her a message, which is to not go through the door. Don't go through that small door,
1: um, Bobo. If you didn't mention it already. Uh, has a mouse circus that he's training she tries to walk into his apartment and he shuts the door on her and says that the mice aren't ready to perform in the circus yet and that she was trying to steal his secrets he's crazy but he does deliver this message of
4: foreboding foreboding
2: (laughs) so then she goes and she meets the downstairs neighbors the two women who give her a small stone
1: that Mm -mm, she can no is that later that's later
0: yeah i think that's earlier in the book maybe i'm just bad They have her drink tea, and they read her tea leaves. They show
1: her the taffy, but she doesn't make the stone yet.
0: Okay. And (laughs) now I'm, I'm out. Go ahead.
1: After she meets Mr. Bobinski, she goes downstairs to meet the two actresses, and they are crazy, and they fight a lot, and they have her drink tea, and they read her tea leaves, and in the tea leaves they see what could be either a very scary hand or a giraffe. Nobody really knows. Um, and it's they, a scary <laughs> hand, though. Yeah, yeah, it's a scary hand. And they tell her about all their dead terrier puppies who they've stuffed and put in angel costumes and have <laughs> hung up on their wall, and it's very psycho-esque. And she thinks that they're... She, Coraline thinks that the actors are awful and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> she leaves... She,
0: she does. Was, she does, in the movie, briefly go out with her mom and... I, I sent Aiden and Celia uh, a Snapchat because it's, like, very Lady Bird-esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost to the point where I wonder if... Is uh, it Greta Erwig? Ge- Greta, Greta, Greta Erwig. Gerwig. That, that scene where uh, uh, Lady Bird... Oh, my God. This is not my day. <laughs> that scene where Lady Bird and her mom are shopping for clothes is, like, very... Seems a little bit inspired mm-hmm. by the scene in Coraline where she's, uh, again, like, getting school uniform and she's like, wants to buy these gloves and her mom won't let her get them. And it's a nice little detour in the movie. It's the... It's the only scene that's outside of the house, actually, and where you see other kids. It's kind of unique in yeah. the film's universe because it's the only time you know there's an outside world. So back to you.
1: True, true. <laughs> and they, I think they hit home on the theme that her family doesn't have that much money. I think they hit home on that harder in the book because mm-hmm. uh, the reason they can't get the gloves is because they can't afford them. And Coraline uh, doesn't understand that, like doesn't understand that she can't get anything she wants because her parents don't want her to feel like she is poor but they're poor essentially is kind of what i remember from the book
2: her parents are both writers who are writing a like a nature magazine if you i paused the movie when her when her father is typing away on the computer to read what the text on the yes, screen was, and did he too. did you too? Yeah. He's he's just writing like about a list of things that can be composted. Basically, he's like, <laughs> it's like it's like eggshells, apple cores. That's it's depressing. It's doing
0: like measurements of like if you have this much compostable material, you have seven hundred cubic feet. And it's just like that's, <laughs> it's on this old like Mac terminal. Oh man, yeah, that poor Black man. and green. Yeah,
1: it's literally all it is is a word processor. There's no other program on that computer. Oh I, I was gonna
0: say. I'm sorry for getting us off topic no, again, but the, I really loved that scene. I, I loved the difference between how the dad and the mom uh, do their work because they're working on the same material, and the mom has her laptop. The dad is like, so the dad is writing the same way like George R. Martin writes, and it's this idea of like, oh, I need to remove all outside stimulus. I need to be like this paragon of. of, of not even like like, I don't even want I don't don't even want to be efficient I want like I want a computer that's not connected to the internet that breaks often that's difficult to use that doesn't have backups because it'll put me in this like stoic you know platonic form of writing where my ideas aren't hampered by modern conveniences and it's like (laughs) it's such a great little touch and he's got all the Pieces of paper behind him, mm-hmm. so you know he's just printing them off. Like he's not saving; he's just literally as the paper copies. And the power almost the power goes out, and he loses it for a moment, <laughs> all his progress. Uh, and it's just a great little detail uh, showing like different kinds of writers and like the way that we get ourselves to do work
3: so yeah yeah
0: i just like that detail yeah that was so cool
3: i'm like worried i'm almost going to become the parents just like very kind of grumpy and just slaving away writing boring things on my computer all day long and like i hope that doesn't happen that's but who the, knows?
1: that's the hardest part right because it's so easy to slip into that mm-hmm. like her parents don't mean to be mean but you can tell that they're just so stressed out like And they hardly touch on it, but, you know, they just moved to a new place. They got in a car accident. They have no money. Like, they need to get this catalog done in order to, you know, they need to send their daughter to school. Like, you can tell that their stress levels are just at the highest that they've ever been. And, like, unfortunately, it gets taken out on Coraline a little Mm -hmm. bit. And... The hard part is that nobody's of like, you can't say, like, the parents were mean and that's why and you can't say Coraline's a bad kid and that's why like yeah. everybody was just like not in their best state.
2: I, this is why this movie has been so why it's held up for so long. You know, why this story still works is because it's not like a black and white. It's it's got a spectrum of I guess morality and like you can really identify with most of the characters except for like
0: the other mother.
1: Yeah, like, for oh, sure.
2: Yeah, she's got some good motivations.
1: Mm, uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, the other father
0: is like to me was the most terrifying character in the, in the in the entire movie, and we'll get into that in the plot. I don't, yeah. I won't steal your thunder, but uh, we stole her thunder for about ten minutes. No, that's <laughs> fine.
1: Take the thunder. Uh, I will retrieve it back eventually.
0: I'll, I'll just briefly prelude it by saying the the final few scenes with the father and like. Are just like horrifying, like, because you because they're all under the other mother's control. And, like, I had I watched the movie with subtitles on because I usually do that the first time I see a movie so I don't miss anything. And his dialogue is like. It's like genuinely was the scariest part of the movie for me is what Mm -hmm. he's saying to to Coraline. Mm
1: -hmm. She goes to the store with her mom, uh, comes back home. Her mom offers to take her grocery shopping with her because they have no food in the house. She tells Coraline, you can get anything you want, you know, well, not anything, but like you can get something that you really like. And Coraline is just being a brat and says no. And so the mom leaves. Coraline goes upstairs and then she goes, so then she goes to sleep Leaves bait for the mice and then goes back into the other world. And then she meets the neighbors of the other world. She walks in and it's like the middle of the day when she goes this time because normally she goes in the middle of the night. So she walks in and um, there's lunch all prepared for her already and a new outfit that her mom, her other mother made for her. And, you're, uh, you're not
0: talking about the third time she goes.
1: What, what happened during the second time other than just more the, good the, things?
0: The second time second time she goes in is when she meets the neighbors. Oh, uh, okay. The third time right. is when she goes with her. Well, and what's interesting about it is uh, the first two times she goes into the world, she does so right after she's sleeping. Right. The third time she goes into the world is is when she goes in the middle of the day. Right, right, right. And, which yeah. becomes very crucial to the plot mm-hmm. of why she stays there the third time.
1: Right. Right, right, right. She goes and she meets the uh, neighbors and and she meets the other YB before she heads up to the mouse circus. And the other YB doesn't talk because the other mother heard that YB annoyed her and that she thought that Coraline might like YB better if he didn't talk. So he can't speak. And so they head up to the mouse circus and Bobinsky is very... Bobinsky, it's very cool. Like, the setting when they walk in is very cool with the, like, cotton candy cannons and the popcorn machine that the chicken, like, pecks the corn off and then makes it into popcorn. It's very, very, like, so intricate. And then they go into this tiny little tent and the mice perform, and it's magical. A lot of, like, the first couple days that she's there, it's just idealized everything.
0: And it's And it's all for her. Yeah. You know, it's like this, the world exists for her kind of, basic joy and entertainment. Yeah.
1: Like, they spell, the mice spell her name, and her dad takes her out to see the garden, and the garden is built in the shape of her face. It's
0: like an interesting, it's like an ego thing. It's, yeah. uh, because it's like none of the things anyone is doing for her, it's like, it's not like, it's not her dad spending time with her mm-hmm. on a Sunday evening, you know, helping her with homework. It's like, building the garden huge in her gestures. face. Yeah. These huge gestures that are kind of, they're great in the moment, but they're not they're, they're like the sugar of nutrition for mm. intimate relationships.
4: Definitely.
3: Yeah. Well, you can see where they're so appealing to her, too, because if you're getting no attention at home versus you go to yeah. this place where, like, they'll literally make a garden in the shape of your face, it's like, <laughs> rather be this one that thinks the that I'm, extremes. like, the coolest yeah. thing of all yeah. time. And, so. and, and you can
0: see how the how the other kids who got involved earlier interpret that as love, mm-hmm. when yeah. it, you know.
1: So then she goes to meet the actresses, and as Blake's fun fact implied, the entire (laughs) theater is filled with terriers, which was so funny. I don't know why I thought it was so funny, but I was dying (laughs) laughing that whole scene. Mm -hmm. And the two actresses are up there looking the same as they did before, and they're doing their little performance, and the terriers are... You know, in charge of the stage crew and stuff like that. It was just absurdly funny for some reason.
0: They unzip their they old unz- bodies off. They one unzip point. their old
1: bodies off, and it and they look how they looked in their old pictures that they had in their apartment. She heads back home and she says hi to her other parents, and then she goes to sleep. YB has like popcorn. I mean, cotton candy stuck to his head, yeah. and they're just like standing over her as she goes to sleep, and then she wakes up back at home.
0: So those first <laughs> two times uh, she visited that other world in her dreams. Uh, because she did so, it like it happened w- when she was in bed. When she like woke up, so the third time she she's like, "Screw it! I wanna I wanna go there like now." And she the mom hides the key. She steals the key and goes in in the middle of the day. She kind of starts like she again. She goes out with her dad, and his dad has built this beautiful garden to her. But she starts to notice kind of some imperfections, some seams in the whole thing. Seams, haha. Um, <laughs> That's funny. The she the dad is kind of like you know, the dad is, like, putting on this uh, piano thing for her, and and part of the song and, and when he's talking to her, is like, we do this all for you, and it's like, I do it because your mother tells me to, mm-hmm. and you start to kind of realize, you start to realize the mom is in control of all of this world.
1: And he's not happy anymore. He's not like, happy.
0: Yeah. And, and the way he plays the piano is the piano has hands that grab his hands, uh. and and manipulate his hands on the piano. It's not even a self-playing piano. It's a piano that forces him to play itself. Mm -hmm. And that's like, to me, that was the first sign that, you know, oh, like, this is... It's not like everyone in this world is creepy, evil. It's like they're maybe all being manipulated. Yeah. Eventually, the mother tells her, like, hey, if you really love this world so much, you should stay with us forever. And Coraline's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. This world's pretty great. And the mom says, all we got to do is just give you your buttons. Which, of course... Replace her eyes with buttons which is horrifying she doesn't want to do that so she tries to run away Uh, she says i'm tired i gotta go to sleep she goes to sleep but she wakes up this time she wakes up still in the world
1: this is where i was going to talk about what blake said about like i don't Mm -hmm. believe that like i would never stay in that world yeah and it felt like there were a lot of moments where i was like Coraline you're being an idiot and then, and then like 30 seconds after that she would do something that would kind of like pull her back from the situation like uh-huh. she'd be so deep into it and then I'd be like red flag and she would she would recognize it like a minute later and so uh-huh. I it just kind of reminded me of like that idea of being a kid and you don't you're just slower to the take of yeah. like what's bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, she got it eventually because the minute that they were like buttons for eyes, she was like no, <laughs> which wasn't true for other kids, right? Yeah. But, right. Um, what
3: the that I keep saying? It was like it's so sharp you won't feel it or something. I that was yeah. that's not not appealing. Yeah, I wouldn't do anything that she did. Honestly, even just going into the other world, like that tunnel would be like a no for me. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So, far, yeah. so, so yeah. I know she escapes at one point before uh, before kind of the
0: the ending sequence of the movie she escapes one more time because she has to get back to the real world to get the gem from the uh, the two women living below mm-hmm. uh, they
1: cut up a bunch of taffy and it cu- turns into a... It's,
0: like a... Yeah. Yeah. It's like
1: a it's like a stone with a hole so that she can look through it because yeah. her parents she goes back to in the world her parents are gone
0: right and then yeah, she gets the, the stone. They're like the beef is spoiled they've been gone for some time She goes back in, she realizes her parents have been kind of trapped in this world. The mother, you know, kidnaps her and she meets three ghosts of kids that the other mother has earlier kidnapped and forced, you know, tricked in the same way she tried to trick Coraline. And so Coraline gets this quest basically to save the eyes of the three kids because they had their eyes replaced with buttons. And she makes a game with the other mother that if she uh, saves those three kids' eyes and saves her parents... Then uh, she'll get to go. Mm-hmm. So she goes on that quest, and to save the other three kids' eyes, she has to go back to Babinski, to Spink and Forcible, and to the garden. What I love about those, and so it's kind of like a three-part. It's like getting Horcruxes, basically.
1: That's exactly They're getting these three yeah. tokens.
0: <laughs> uh, what's so great about it is, except in the very end and the the one with Babinski, the other two uh, are all she does it all on her own. And in each, and in, in all three of them. There's a moment where she almost loses it all. And I was so worried that, like, oh, uh, what's his face? The other the kid, the other kid. Wybie. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid like, oh, YB will come and re- save the day. But he doesn't. Like, it's just her ingenuity mm-hmm. and uh, what she has on hand. And she's very resourceful. And the last one, the cat does save her. But it's... Well, in the
1: first one, the dad just gives it to her.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, it's still.
1: She's still new to look in the garden. And... Yeah,
0: and, and uh, she kind of, like, she. Cuts herself away from the flowers when they attack her. So she gets help in each of them, but it's clear that she's... It's her kind of... The, she's the hero of own story, which For I sure. appreciated. She gets those. She goes back to the other mother, and she realizes that her parents are stuck in the snow globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that part was a little confusing. And so the she distracts the other mother, th- yeah. throws a cat at her face. Uh, she gets in the final boss fight. She beats the other <laughs> mother. <laughs> That's the, the movie That's has a true. final boss Truly. fight. Uh, it's great. Breaks the snow globe, freeing her parents. She goes back into the portal, saves the kids. There's this really dark scene where she saves the kids, and they're like, "Thank you for saving us. Just remember, you you still get to be alive, and we don't." And yeah. it's like the movie <laughs> practically ends that way. It's like it's really weird, but great. The movie kind of ends, and I was I mentioned this earlier that this bothered me a little bit. The movie ends with the parents kind of learning the error of their ways a little bit, and oh, they get more time to spend with her. And I don't mean to be like a, a jerk who can't appreciate a happy ending, but I, I did like that the parents were portrayed as kind of imperfect. And I'm fine with them getting better at the end, but I, they kind of make like a real, they really become pretty great at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, And I would have liked a slower ramp up, you know, maybe start establishing that improvement earlier or have them finish as only mediocre or something. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know.
3: for sure. Well, they, like, make a point, too, like, when they are trapped in the snow globe, that when they're done, they don't have any memory of it. And I think if they did have memory of it and kind of realized there was something going on or whatever, then maybe them becoming better would be, like, yeah, more realistic. Because they might have realized, since they didn't have memory of that at all, then there's, like, not really necessarily a reason for them to suddenly have this drastic Yeah, there's, drastic there's not exchange, a trigger so. for them to yeah.
0: learn all the lessons there. No,
3: Yeah.
1: Um, in the book so so you know Alex you were talking about how creepy the dad is um, he is the you know of the mid mid-level boss fights of the movie He's he's the one in the garden she goes out to the garden and he's on this praying mantis sewing machine basically and he's just yelling the whole time about how he doesn't want to be doing this and the mantis is like trying to straight up kill Coraline, and he doesn't want to be doing this and the other mother is making him and his words don't even really make sense um because he's so he's made of like straw or whatever they were well and
0: he he starts telling her you know like he's got that really creepy distorted voice and he's saying you know I'm sorry, Coraline. She's making me do this. Mm-hmm. The, the, the like, voice I of John Hodgman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I
1: was gonna. I was gonna tell you that he was yeah. in it, and I was curious who it was. Um, <laughs> and in the book, that wasn't the scene. No. In the book, it wasn't a garden. It was a basement. Hmm. And the only thing I remember from it was, and that's why I, I'm hoping Aiden, you remember it clearer than I do. Um, <laughs> the only thing I remember from it was like her looking down the stairs and seeing the dad down there. And, like, that was the scariest part of the book for me, the idea that she saw the dad and she could see how dangerous it was, and I don't remember what happened. I don't remember that
2: particular bit from the book. It's been a while since I read it, but certainly for the movie, they dumbed down a lot of the the terrifying imagery. Like, it's a scary movie. There's some scary stuff in it, but compared to kind of the way that it looks in the book and how it's described, it's much cleaner and Mm -hmm. palatable when the mother has her hand removed uh, and it comes into the real world it's this kind of metal robot hand that follows Coraline around. No in the book it's like a real hand and it leaves Mm -hmm. behind like a trail of blood and they talk about how her fingernails are Two inches long and it walks mm-hmm. on the fingernails and they make that same tapping noise that she makes on the sink earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame that they didn't have like the real hand because that was yeah. awesome. it would be awesome. Would be super metal, but <laughs> or not or me- yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed myself. <laughs> nice. Anyway, they they do kind of take away some of that stuff, but I think
0: for for the movie it 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 works for the yeah, most part. Definitely. Mm. The movie does. There's one. Uh, one scene and it's like three seconds uh, but there's a uh, there's a shot where she's going upstairs uh, to Babinski's place and this is in the other world and uh, she sees uh, Wiley's uh, clothes hanging and she assumes he's been killed and the first shot where you see them it's the camera is looking down at her from behind the clothes and it's clearly shot to look like it's an implied suicide. It's like it's you see these feet and, and pants just dangling in the wind Uh, And and that to me was like it's very brief, but I think it's the darkest shot of the movie. Uh, And it's something that a kid wouldn't pick up on. But it's it's very clearly uh, designed to look that way. It just it's another part of the movie where it's like, yes, it's a scary kids film, but it's also little bits and pieces here that are like, really dark. Very dark. Oh, totally. And that really contribute to the the mood of it.
2: You know, mm-hmm. just speaking of the end of the film, I, I am, the only reason I'm dis- disappointed by Wybie's character is that he does kind of come in as a saving grace at the end for Coraline. He like swoops in when she's being dragged by the neck, by the hand towards the well, and he comes <laughs> in and he's like I'm gonna get that hand, and then he like <laughs> grabs it and falls in the well with it, and there's a whole kind of action scene. In the book, the way that Cor- Coraline solves this problem for herself in, in the story, and she She basically acts like everything's fine. She's like, oh, I'm back in my happy real world. And she knows that the hand is there. So she pretends to have a picnic and she slings Mm -hmm. a a blanket over the well and she waits. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the hand lunges to, you know, do her in, she jumps out of the way and lets it fall down into the well and she shuts the the thing, uh, the lid, Mm -hmm. traps it in there. Um, I'm not sure if there's a big happy reunion with her parents at the end of the book, uh, or at least I don't know if her parents learned their lesson. I think they might not really remember their time in the other world like mm. she does. Yeah, but
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's honestly a one of a kind like kids' experience. Yeah, I, totally. I can't think of a truly comparable, both like in content and in execution of these kinds of themes no. for yeah. and children.
2: And it totally. Like, it embraces... Neil Gaiman, I think, is just an excellent writer, but, you know, he embraces this fact that kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for, and he lets these kind of ideas be really big, and he lets some answers... Go, oh, I guess he leaves some questions unanswered, which mm-hmm. is really good. But you know, just just something like the beldam, this this kind of mythical witch-like creature. The fact that her entire world is something that she has created is kind of a big concept. Mm-hmm. But that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Coraline, like, oh, I'm gonna run away, and she's just kind of a, she's walking with the cat, I think, and they're talking, just yeah. and they're walking through the land, and everything just goes white, and he's like, Yeah, the she had the other mother hasn't created. Things this far out—it's mm-hmm. wild. Just like the whole world is this blank canvas. Yeah, it's there's, fascinating. There's mm-hmm. that
1: line where she says, "How do you how do you walk away from something and then end up walking right back to it?" And the cat yeah. says, "By walking all the way around the world." And
0: I I, I, kn- I literally wrote that quote down when I heard it. When I heard it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I thought it was such a powerful. Yeah, how do you walk away from something when you yeah?
1: And then you just show up right back at it, and yeah. it's just. I don't know. I mean, every time I watch, I've watched, you know, like I said, I've rewatched this a few times. And every time I do, I'm always just blown away by how layered it is. And you can Mm. really watch, you can watch it at a very superficial level and be like, huh, that was a scary, scary movie for kids. But then (laughs) you
0: look at it a little farther
1: (laughs) and it's just so crazy. I'm trying to look at my notes to see if there was anything else.
0: You mentioned that there's not many films like it in, in content or execution. Have any of you heard of Seven it was
1: Are you talking about 9? Nine?
0: 9 yeah it's I was
1: actually going to that was like my one wreck. was well, 9. I was yeah. going to say
0: it 9 to me is like maybe I cuz I remember seeing it and it's like it maybe a slightly inferior I mean mm-hmm. not to not to like pile on that movie <laughs> um but it it was fine. Yeah. Um and it's again it's this uh children's dark animated story and it's got Puppets and clay figure. I think they're all puppets, sock puppets, mm-hmm. and it's a totally different storyline, but similar kind of in mood and construction to mm-hmm. Coraline. I would say.
3: Oh my god! I like you are talking about Nine, like the Daniel Day Lewis movie. I don't no. know if anyone's seen <laughs> that, but that is it's like the worst. It's like the, I don't know how directed it, but there, it's like they're trying to make. Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half, but it's, like, modernized in a musical, and it's so bad. Mm. But I'm glad it's not that, because I was like, no. what? No. I, was, I was thinking in terms of content, though, this reminded me a lot. I guess not of movies, but I think just, like, the books of Roald Dahl a lot. Like, especially, like, his books, The Witches and Matilda. Just these ideas of these kids being lonely and kind of having to create something else for themselves. Like, I think mm. those are kind of comparable in the way they really see the importance in the struggles that kids face and stuff.
1: Definitely. Yeah. it's uh, Yeah, I I when I was trying to think of Rex, the only thing I could come up with was 9, just in the sense of that it is very similar tonally. And yeah. just, it's been so long since I've seen it. For some reason, my family owns it on DVD, even though I think we saw it once and just thought it was okay. My dad still bought it on DVD. <laughs> That's but, such a
0: dad thing to yeah. do.
1: <laughs> we all agreed that this was fine, so I'm going to buy it. <laughs> but yeah, I wish that there was more stuff like this, even though my first experience with it wasn't the best
3: so I think I wanted to recommend this when we did Fantastic Mr. Fox maybe and then I didn't Uh, I really like Pirates Band of Misfits some of the same people who did Wallace and Gromit and I've only seen like that one once like a few years ago I think it was I actually saw it maybe on like one of my middle school birthdays or something like in a mall with my family (laughs) but thought it was hilarious and very well designed and uh, well voice acted as well so that's kind of a delight that I liked a lot and then I think this one this one more just has, like, parts that are stop motion. It is a live-action movie for the most part. I guess this isn't also, like, an obscure recommendation. It's just Beetlejuice, you know, the classic mm. Tim Burton mm-hmm. movie. Um, super fun. Has kind of a similar, colorful, slightly nightmarish design to it in the same way that Coraline um, has. But, yeah, I'd say those two are good. They're a little bit different, I guess, but... Uh,
0: Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Ooh. I think mm-hmm. it is oh, yeah. uh, you've got the similar kind of very vivid, colorful, adventurous fun mixed with uh, the Gene Wilder. It's just like so bizarre. So, so do movie. you mean
1: Charlie or do you mean Willy Wonka? Because there are two. Oh,
0: which, whichever, whichever was the Gene Wilder okay. one, the uh, good the one. one, Yeah, yeah. The, the the only one that matters. Yes, true. <laughs> uh, the
1: the one without the uh, abuser in it.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yes.
2: retweet exactly. <laughs> I like how they replaced geese with squirrels in the new one. <laughs> God, those
3: squirrels are horrible.
2: Uh,
0: there's there's that scene in the Gene Wilder version where they're going through the the river the tunnel and he starts like screaming and yeah uh, it's just like
1: that is that was nightmare inducing as a kid yeah his
0: his take on that character I I think is will always be like the iconic take that's so good and this movie is very it's not scary uh, but I always have to plug it when I talk about children's movies because it's my favorite children's movie and that's the Iron Giant oh yeah. Mm. Um, that was like my Lion King, basically, growing up. That was, I just saw that all the time because I aired it twice a year on Cartoon Network and I never missed it. And that's another movie that is, I think, relies on the audience being a little mature. It's got like some kind of, it's got like anti-war themes. It's got a lot of downtime in it. And it's got a little bit of a kind of that same dour kind of gray, rainy feel to it. And uh, again, kind of a sad ending and uh, just a beautiful movie and Always would recommend that one. Those are good recs. <laughs> okay.
2: Um
3: it's your time. follow
1: that Aiden.
0: Yeah. yeah, get ready. Can you do it? it if was. your ex are bad, we get the podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. So yes, I'll recs. take that back. But you will have to find the buttons of the three dead children. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, That's so dark. Just kidding. It's me, Arthur Aiden. Welcome to this wonderful podcast. Oh my god. Um it's
1: before it gets bad. <laughs>
2: So I have a couple of recommendations I wanted to go with animated movies. Uh, The first one is called The Triplets of Belleville, which is this crazy movie. It's a French movie uh, and it's about these, uh, I think it's these women. Well, it's not about these women, but it's named after them. Doesn't matter. It's about a guy who rides a bike really good. The animation style looks a lot like Coraline. It's really hard to explain. There's not very much dialogue in it. It's just beautifully animated. It's very funny. It's really weird. It's really short, too. So Blake mm. would love it. Um,
3: hell yeah.
1: <laughs> and then, like, 90-minute runtime. Love a 90-minute. Not minute, even 90-minute or less.
3: Yeah. Is it, like, what, it's like, like an 64? Hour. It's like an hour and 13 minutes. Mm, music oh, to my ears.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I love 73. Ugh. And then the other movie that is
2: not similar in tone or uh, visual at all, but is very thematically similar, is Spirited Away, which Mm, is one of my favorite movies of all time. But it's, you know, it's about a girl who goes to another world. Her parents are taken away from her and she has to find a way to get them back. And I just see a lot of parallels between these two stories. But a thing I picked up on in Coraline this time that made me go, wow, this really is a lot like Spirited Away is one of the first things that Chihiro does when she gets to the ghost well, the ghostish world is that she has to eat their food to be able to exist there. And one of the mm. first things that Coraline does when she gets to the other world is they're like, we have this delicious food for you, young <laughs> child. And she chows down. But yeah, I think those, uh, beyond that, I'd say the parallels of just you know going somewhere else that's unfamiliar to you as a child and then having to rescue your parents... It's a little bit of an inversion, yeah. Maybe the Liam Neeson version of this story, <laughs> true.
3: Yeah, which reminds me, like cartoon food looks very yum. good a lot of the times. Yes. Yeah, it kind of stresses me out. It's like, why is my brain thinking this? It's like almost, I'm looking at a cartoon thing, and I'm like, yum yum. Oh, I was Let's getting hungry up. that
0: first scene when really <laughs> yeah. he goes to the other world.
1: Yeah, it's almost <laughs> impressive that they made the f- like the very first meal look bad because it's like so easy for cartoons to look true. to look like they have good food. So uh, I was kind of impressed that <laughs> they could make something that looked like food but still looked.
0: I think it's it's harder to make in a cartoon. I feel like it's harder to make unappetizing food Mm -hmm. because because appetizing food you know we yeah we have like the image in our head but unappetizing you have to like think like okay I have to imagine cooking this poorly Mm -hmm. and using like unappetizing ingredients like there's a lot of work that goes into that
1: for sure for sure
4: absolutely
1: I've never seen Spirited Away. Everybody has told me to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah,
2: it's the it's the best of the Miyazaki movies. By like oh, a mile. Better than
4: like my neighbor a,
1: Totoro? Yes. What? Isn't that like a quote unquote basic opinion? What? that spirited away is the best one? Yeah, is that like universally agreed? Yeah. I think it's true. Yeah.
3: It's basic. No just kidding. <laughs> I don't know.
2: Not, my neighbor Totoro's I mean, about <laughs> dead kids. <man. gasps> it's
3: so good. Although connection to Coraline, Dakota Fanning is one of the voices in the um English dubbed version of My Neighbor Totoro. Ooh, she voices Coraline. Also, every time I say Coraline, I almost say Caroline and then I stop myself. So is it really Totoro? just applaud me. What? Is it Totoro? I'm pretty sure, yeah.
1: Whenever I see it, I always don't think of it that way. I don't know why.
0: Hmm. My favorite Miyazaki <laughs> film is The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, great. Mine is The Sweet Life on Deck.
0: <laughs> that's a good <laughs> one,
1: Miyazaki.
3: So that's a really good one, too. Oh, my God. Thank you. I just saw Debbie Ryan in like that Melissa McCarthy movie. It was terrible. Oh,
1: wait, you saw Life of the Party? I did see it. I can't yeah. believe you did that, too. Well, to for The
3: Daily. So it was oh. like.
2: He did it because I'm he afraid. had to write about it.
3: I did. He couldn't be stopped. I wrote stopped. about all the wigs in Melissa McCarthy movies for like three
2: paragraphs. Incredible. One
3: does. Celia, anyway.
2: take us away with your <laughs> wonderful final thought, please.
1: Okay. There, there are two things I want to say. Mm. They're very not related to each other. The first is about <laughs> Coraline as a character. And I think it's really interesting that Coraline refuses to accept love any other way than she wants it. And that's a big part of her problem, right? Like she wants these big grand gestures. She wants all the attention focused on her. And if it's not, then therefore things are bad. You know, there's no real gray middle area of maybe there's something going on that she's not seeing. Like she doesn't stop to think about that, which is very indicative of her age. I'm not saying that she should be able to do that. But I thought that that was something interesting to note of just the idea that You that people can love you and you might not be able to realize it, or like you can think to yourself that somebody isn't paying attention to you, but they are just not in the way that you're used to receiving it. Um, and I think that that's not something that kids are ever told. (laughs) Like, I feel like that's a really hard lesson to learn as you become an adult, and so I think that even though they didn't really hammer that point home. They didn't spend a lot of time on that. Um, The fact that they touched on it at all, I was really impressed by. And then my final thought, just about, like, the movie. For me, it feels like it's an actual, like, how your brain constructs nightmares is how I feel like this movie is constructed. Mm -hmm. The way that it starts out totally fine, and then it just gets so weird so fast, and you think to yourself oh, yeah, that's how that works. And you just kind of accept it, and it just gets weirder and weirder, and it drags on at the end. Like, when you think everything's fine and she goes back home, but then you realize that the hand is in her world and it's not over and all that kind of stuff, the way that it drags on at the end. I just thought that it was really interesting for me because that's exactly how it feels like when you wake up. Like, you know how you said you, you walk away... Alex, I'm pointing at Alex. <laughs> you <laughs> walk away from it feeling weird... Like, I get that same feeling finishing this movie as I get when I, like, wake up after having a nightmare. of just like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, okay, okay.
0: <laughs> it's a vivid movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I'm out overnight. now, I think. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I think
1: I think everything's fine.
0: And you're mm-hmm. right, that fake-out ending really helps, yeah. I think, establish that. And I love when movies do that. Happy mm-hmm. Death Day did that, too. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. It's just, like, it's great when... The last few minutes, there's one last thing they got to do. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: definitely. Yeah. Um, and it, it can sometimes. I think they did a good job of pacing it, so it didn't feel cheap. It felt it. It did feel earned and and uh, necessary to the completion of the whole story. So, yeah. so uh, imp, impeccable, impeccable <laughs> film. Wow. I was maybe too young when I heard the story the first time, but. <laughs> Impe- impeccable.
3: <laughs> just roll, like, the wine glass is perfect. Yeah. Wow. Um, I feel like mine is a lot less deep. but um, <laughs> I I would would just... on me. <laughs> on, that's very true. It would have been, like, the grand finale. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think this is a, re- a really good kind of meditation on loneliness, but from a kid's perspective, which is something you don't always see. And I think it's done very well. And I think it's also a really good example of a horror movie that can be kind of digestible for kids, but... But it still is you know, horrific in ways that can be appreciated by adults as well. So I think it is a very universal movie. It ties in themes that anyone can relate to, no matter what age you are. Um, but yeah, and it's also just beautiful in general, how how well it's constructed and how detailed it is. So I highly recommend it. It's a great, great movie.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree with all of that. I don't have a whole lot to say. I think when I have kids, this is the kind of movie I think I'd love to show them. Mm-hmm. It's got that, just the right amount of creepiness, where I think it's telling a more sophisticated and and kind of story that sticks with you longer than a lot of children's movies would, and it's just so well-crafted that uh, it's just absolutely a
3: great piece of art.
0: Yeah, that's, y'all
2: said everything, (laughs) now I'm here at the very end and I have to say something that sounds smart.
3: Just say reblog or something. And then yeah, retweet. <laughs> <it'd be> perfect. <laughs>
2: uh, I love this movie. I you know this the story the book was so uh, such a formative thing for me as a kid that seeing it adapted onto the screen and seeing it adapted well mm-hmm. uh, is such a treat. I think that stop motion is an incredibly important kind of film because it's so difficult to do and it's it creates something that's fake but that's so grounded in reality. Yeah. And I think that this film really captures the artistry and the. I guess the strenuousness that goes into that really mm-hmm. well. So I, I'd say that this is a movie that needs to be on everybody's must-watch list because yeah. it's, it's not great. just for the kids.
1: Also, like it's on Netflix. Like it's, also, it's on Netflix. Like what the hell? Good movie on Netflix, and it's like, yeah. What's its runtime technically?
2: It's an hour forty. Okay.
3: Too long. It is longer (laughs) than I
0: think most. I was surprised by how long it was. I I was happy, but no surprise. Yeah,
1: just a little over that 90 minute mark, but close enough that I'll let it slide. But (laughs) it's hard. uh, It's worth the extra 10
2: minutes. (laughs) Well, Celia, Alex, Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank it's you. It's always a pleasure. If you want to hear more of us talking about movies, you can follow us on Twitter, I guess, <laughs> uh, at the Filmcast. I don't have my regular notebook, so doing the sign-off is going to be a little oh, challenging. Oh, wow, uh, You can uh, subscribe on iTunes, uh, Google Play, the rest of the podcast places. You can follow Celia on Twitter at Films Unstuck or read things that she writes. <laughs> <laughs> on Tumblr at filmsunstuck.tumblr.com yes. You can find Alex on Twitter <laughs> at Bruel Alex or are there, is there a place where you write things for fun?
0: Uh, <laughs> my website is alexbruel.com it. Eventually I'll put some creative writing there someday. Heck yeah. I just
1: Whoa. wanna I just want to thank Aiden and Blake for being our guest hosts for the day. Yeah. It was oh, so cool. fun. You guys did a
3: great job. Seat. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. really, really tried try to impress you all. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, we're really proud that you guys somehow managed to like come out of the blue and host a podcast for the first time.
0: You know, I think it's so cool to see a, a podcast hosted all by men. It's like it really goes to show men can host podcasts too. It's true. Like, that's really cool. You know, <laughs> I think
2: Cinema Adventure has something really unique going for it because it is hosted by two white dudes. And that's
1: yeah. never so happened. It's
3: changing yeah. a game. You it's, never hear
1: white men talking about movies. No. It's just like... You
3: never hear white men talk. It's truly, it's
1: truly like, a, like a niche that needs to get filled. <laughs> In fact, true. I want more. If you're a white man and you're listening to this podcast, start
2: one. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear
1: your voice. Well, <laughs> well not, not. <laughs> oh, no. I agree with that. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. The three white men in the room concur. <laughs> that
1: was all a joke. I hope you all yes. understand Yes, that. Yes, Okay. I don't um, want to get any <laughs> angry comment. Um, Blake,
2: please tell us what movie we're going to be talking about next Monday.
3: Oh, yeah, we're doing it in, like, linear order. This is so exciting. We're doing uh, Scream 2, directed by Wes Craven, next week. Yeah, this is one of Blake's favorite movies. I would die for Scream 2, so get ready.
1: Is this, like, a Celia's pick?
3: Yeah. Would you also pick Scream 2? Yes. <laughs> this is a Celia's <laughs> pick. Well, that's true, this is a
2: Celia's pick. You no, know I've yeah. never
1: seen Scream 2. I've only oh, seen Scream. So
2: I will make the title Celia's pick.
1: Oh my god, that's so
2: cute. I will do it. I yeah. will do it. It'll be Celia's <laughs> pick featuring <laughs> I Eden, mean It's her third Blake episode.
3: <laughs> it's her third episode. She's basically a host by now. So It's my fourth. Yeah.
2: He also, uh, you're both record setters because this is the longest episode we've ever done. Wow. It's an hour and a half.
3: Oh, wow. So... Wild. Thanks. Hey, it's (laughs) going to be a weekend for me. It's nearly (laughs) as
1: many minutes as Coraline. (laughs) Nearly. Truly.
3: When I joked about it at the beginning, it actually happened. It
1: actually happened. (laughs) (laughs) Minute by minute analysis.
2: I can hear the music playing us off now, so I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) say thank you both again for coming. Uh, Huge thanks to Alex for making our theme song. Uh, Big thanks to Celia for coming on as a repeat guest. Big thanks to Blake for, um, you know. Living, chilling. You do a great job. Exactly. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Stay safe out there, kids. Bye. 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 (laughs) Bye.
3: Did you know Peruvians have their own type of Chinese food? Or that Vietnamese food is heavily influenced by French cuisine? Have you ever wondered what other cultures' drunk food is like? Explore these topics and more right here on the Soundbite Network. My name is Dee Madigan, and I'm the host of Home Plates, a podcast all about food. Catch up on the first season of Home Plates on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. New episodes air every Wednesday. Seattle Seahawks have the best offensive line in NFL history.
2: Kyle Seeger is the better Seeger brother. Markel
0: Foltz is the best player on the Sixers. Hashtag trust the process.
3: Okay, we don't actually believe any of these things. But if you want to hear our thoughts on topics like these, tune into the Boxing Podcast with Chris Ankiko, Alec Dietz, and Andy Amashta every Friday on the SoundBite Network.
2: For more like this and other great shows covering sports, science, relationships, and the arts, visit the Soundbites website, uwpodcast.com. That's uwpodcast.com.